listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Amen. Hey, thanks, worship team. Ben, appreciate you leading. And Josh, I don't know if you recognize this young man over here. This is Josh Oot. He was an intern here a while back, but he's back leading us this morning. So glad that you're here. Uh, Josh and Joanna just uh, Johanna are just uh, down here for a weekend and uh, just a fun time, and Mom is excited to have him here. And just a, what a wonderful opportunity to see God's work in his life and all of that. Hey, take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, our wonderful ushers have Bibles in their hands. They're walking down the aisle, just waving them, and they'd be happy to give you. It's a loner, so uh, uh, leave it there when you're done. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, you don't own one, then at the end of the service, go back to the back info desk and just say, hey, I'd like a Bible, and they'd be happy to give you one, and we just ask that you read it. Uh, also encourage you to take out your uh, outline that's in here inside your worship folder. There's an outline in there. Take that out. Now, I realized I actually proofed this, and we forgot the fourth point. So just on the back, you can write it in, and that's okay. But if you... Um, uh, and I saw that on when it was being printed. I th- anyways, but if you want to get the fourth point, just pick up one of these study guides because it has actually the fourth point on there, right there. And it actually, the, you notice the outline has a lot of fill-in-the-blanks. And, and I'll, I always give a lot of extra verses. And some of you go, I just can't write them down fast enough. Well, here's your cheat sheet. And here's what I'm hearing. Some people are getting this before the service. And they're actually just taking notes on this and not worrying about writing stuff in. That's okay. It's not cheating. <laughs> Anything they can do to help you learn is, is what I would like to do. And so it's there. Hey, on these Sunday mornings, this series, this uh, In the Dust of the Rabbi series, we're actually handling large chunks of Scripture. And this particular Sunday, we're handling Matthew 15, verses 21 to 39. Now here, we're doing 21 to 31, but over in the Los Al campus, Brett Holloman is preaching there. He's preaching verse 32 to 39. If you want to hear that, just go on the website, press sermons, look down there, and you'll see both of them down there. It's a way to give you the, the both uh, a broader view, and sometimes we preach the same sermon, and you can hear it in... Uh, reached by a different person. And, and if you do that, I'd love to know. Just send me a note, say, hey, Mike, I did that, and here's what I think about it. Because if, if it's a good thing, we may continue to do that. If you think, ah, this is lame, uh, it's experiment, so let me know, and you can uh, do that. But <clears throat> as we're getting started here, uh, I don't know about you, but I love food. I mean, it is just... I don't know what it is. I, I just I, main dishes, side dishes, appetizers, barbecue, and of course desserts. I love the bounty of flavors and the plentiful aromas. I even love the preparation, uh, making it all together, crafting the spices and the sauces and the and the science of just the right ingredient at just the right time at just the right temperature. It, it's 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 just a fun adventure. <laughs> it's like a great adventure with a generous reward at the end. Uh, this uh, um, this a uh, couple weeks ago, I made this German chocolate pie. <laughs> it was amazing. This, you had to melt the different chocolates together and do a couple of things like that, and they had to use the thermometer to make this the topping. And oh man, to bite into that, ooh! 
it was awesome. And then uh, a week before, or, or a little bit before that, I made these, uh, we have an orange tree, and I figured, hey, you know, people make candied orange peel all the time. I've never done that. So I thought I'd try. It's a long process, but oh, is it so good to taste those little candied orange slices. And then you know what? I dipped them in chocolate. <laughs> wow! But I had to do something different with this chocolate. I had to do what's called rendering chocolate. I had never heard of that. But that's how chocolate becomes all shiny. You have to render it. You have to heat it up, cool it down, heat it up, cool it down. It's, it's just fun. It's a fun thing to do. And oh, um, during the holidays, uh, I love maple syrup. I'm from Canada, so it's just kind of part of, it's part of our blood. Uh, and I love maple syrup on everything, on ice cream, on salmon. And, and so I decided to make a maple slow-cooked pork. Oh, 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 man, was that good. It just kind of melted in your mouth, and it tastes like, a little bit like maple syrup, and oh, it was just great. And then um, I had this uh, uh, New York steak, and I made this, this cool rub on the New York steak, rub it all, I put it on the grill, boom, boom. Wow. I mean, just, just amazing, a, a, a lavish blessing. I, I feasted on those delicacies, and it was amazing, kind of a, a party in my mouth and all the way down. How great and fun food is, a, a generous blessing that makes our hearts glad. I know when you get a good meal, mm, you smile, and it's wonderful. Well, God is like that generous blessing to us in life cooking up for us some great and wonderful plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for wholeness and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That word wholeness is the Hebrew word shalom. You've heard that word before. You can say it with me. Shalom. Okay, now sound, just like give that Jewish flavor. Shalom. There you go. That's pretty good. So shalom, it means, uh, it means peace and, and prosperity and pleasure, wholeness and blessing. And that's what God has for us. He has that wholeness, that, that prosperity, not in the same way we think of prosperity always, but pleasure. And, and it doesn't mean that life will be ease, easy or there'll be ease or that it'll be uh, absent from difficulties or hardships, but God has an amazing life for us. Planned out even before we were conceived. Uh, if you want a reference for that, look at Psalm 139. It says, even before we were formed in our mom, God had the, our days numbered and he laid them out before us. Uh, and in this generously blessed life, there is rest. Rest for our souls, as Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29 is. And strength for the weary, Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31. You don't need to write all these down. Get the study guide. Uh, <clears throat> But strength, you know, we mount up with wings like eagles, it talks about it. And when we wait upon the Lord, it, and, and needs being met, as Philippians uh, 4.19 says, that, that God will take care of all of our needs in Christ Jesus, that we will have connection with God, as Romans 8.37 and 39 says, a, a connection that cannot be torn apart. It's there forever. And, and, and we have belonging, as 1 Peter 2.9 says, that we are people belonging to God. And then there's salvation. Salvation from the unfortunate reality of our sin nature that drags us down and drags us straight into hell, and yet there'll be salvation for us in Christ Jesus. How generous and amazing all this is, and there's more. Much more. So much that it will take a lifetime to discover it. Life in Christ Jesus is an amazing adventure with great, generous blessings all the way. And so how do we experience this generosity? How do we engage this reality of our generous God? For just like 
with the generous blessings and fun of food, it takes something of us to experience all that God intends for us. That something is called faith. Faith is a, is being, a, and we'll talk about this more, of the assurance of things not seen and hoped for, but, but it, it takes something of us. Last week, um, I showed you a, a fun little tool. We were talking about purity. And uh, this thing called a, a life straw is a, is a thing that helps take impure water and you suck it up and it gives you pure water. And I had a Steve Ellis actually came to me and said, Mike, now that's a great illustration, but how come you didn't demonstrate it? I said, well, because I wasn't talking about faith, I was talking about purity. And so I thought this morning I would just demonstrate it for you. This is some uh, water, I, uh, um, some of the dog water, and, um, and out in my backyard where my dog goes, uh, I put some dirt in this, and so I figured I would just uh, show you how much faith I have in the life straw as I put this in here and just... It doesn't even taste bad. Carol, I know you're dying. (laughs) Carol and I share the same uh, germaphobic tendencies. I feel fine. (laughs) And like I said, it doesn't even taste bad, but that's faith. Faith says, yeah, I believe that this life straw will work. And you can say it in your mind. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Oh, yeah, I believe it for you. But it's when we suck it in, that's when we have faith. That's what faith is. Now, sure, God's going to bless us. And he blesses our world regardless if we have faith in him. Yet as Hebrews 11, 6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, Matthew, in his book in the Bible, Uh, brings out four aspects of faith in a generous Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 31, revealing more of this dust of the rabbi. Now, you can read in your worship folder what that means, but it it was an ancient thing. As as you would follow the teacher, the rabbi, you would follow so closely that you'd actually be covered by the dust his sandals kick up. In other words, that you'd be so close to the master that you would glean from his wisdom. What he did, you would do. What he learned, you would learn. And you would learn about him and how he wants us to live. And so this morning, we're going to learn about how generous Jesus is. And that we should, what should settle on us is the faith to enter into that generosity and therefore be generous ourselves. And so let's discover this truth. But before we do, set your books aside, stand up. And if you're thirsty, you know where to get some water. (laughs) There's a clean one here. I just wanted you to show the difference so I wasn't faking it. And stuff like that. But I'm glad that you're here. I think God has something to say to you about your faith and also about generosity. Let's ask him to reveal that to us. Father, thank you that you have brought us to this place to to learn about you, uh, our Rabbi Jesus, and, and help us to glean from that today. Help us to learn from that today that we can walk away from here with some nuggets of truth and gems of truth and maybe even some conviction and challenge So use this time, we pray, in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. Make sure you've got your outline out there. Jot down some notes. Again, make sure you pick up that study guide so that you can get those notes in here. But let's first 
<clears throat> read the passage and reads what's going on here because it's an interesting passage. And as I read it, you're going to go, what? But listen to this. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. To, and I'm going to only read to verse 28, and I'll read the rest of it later on as we go. But listen to this. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by demons. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, is it not right to take the, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? And then she said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. You're thinking, What? We'll get into this as we go along. Four aspects of faith in a generous Jesus. Let's discover them. The first aspect of faith is faith in Jesus requires knowledge. Now, Matthew is bringing out here that though Jesus started first to come to Israel, God's chosen people, the Jews, he intended all along to come to everyone else. But Matthew is showing that though Israel should be the ones to embrace Jesus first, they rejected him and his teachings. So now Jesus is heading out of the area. Tyre and Sidon are in Lebanon, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, out of Jewish domain, and considered in that unclean territory. You remember the last couple of weeks we talked about, Josh two weeks ago and me last week, we talked about the Jews had this idea of purity, that it's something you just simply put on, and that, that, that if you ha- uh, um, talk to people who were not Jews, they were unclean and you just didn't go to them. And yet, Jesus is now in this unclean territory saying that, okay, Jews, you, you reject me. I'm going to go to others where I'm just going to go anyways. And yet here is this woman asking for mercy from Jesus, whom she called Lord, son of David. That's a very key phrase. It's a name for the Jewish Messiah. One that the, the Old Testament had talked all about this one that would come, this king, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, this one that would come and set everything straight. What she was saying of Jesus is, I realize your authority, I embrace your sovereignty, and I believe in your ability. She knew. Now, we're not told how she knew or how much she knew, but what she knew was enough to go to Jesus for help. Her knowledge led her to faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is knowing and acting upon that knowledge. Write down somewhere in your notes, James chapter uh, 2, verses 14 to right around 26. It talks about faith without evidence or works is useless. If I say I believe in the life straw... And I say it, but never act upon it. That's not real faith. That's just simply knowing. See, belief and faith is actually acting upon it. 
See, some people know that Jesus is the Christ. They know that they're sinful. They know that they need Jesus, but they've never actually committed to going that way. They've never actually admitted that they need a savior. They actually admitted that Jesus is it and actually gone and started living life Christ's way. And the saddest part of, about that and why I share that almost every Sunday to make sure is because some of you are going to stand before God and say, hey, I knew it all. And God's going to say, yeah, you knew it, but you didn't believe. You didn't have faith. You didn't exercise that faith. And coming to church and just sitting here is not exercising faith. Amen. Exercising faith is actually taking it upon yourself to seek out how I can live life God's way. That's faith. And faith starts with knowledge. It starts with understanding the truth. Faith is that knowledge put into action. Like this woman who knew of Jesus and put into action to go to him. Faith means we exercise knowledge. In other words, learn uh, both brain knowledge that's filling our mind with the facts, understanding what the Bible teaches about Jesus, who he is, his character, all the things about him and learning about him. But it also means uh, heart knowledge or practicing knowledge to live life his way, to live in that relationship with him. It's to study and do, learn and act, gain and give, take in and take out. It's it's, it's studying love and then practicing love. It's learning kindness and then practicing kindness. It's gaining how great and amazing Jesus is and then giving him trust in your life. It's taking in the teachings of, of, yeah, we should reach out, but then actually doing it and reaching out. This woman had gained a knowledge of Jesus. Driven out, and driven out of desperation, she took a step of faith with what she knew. How about you? What is your biggest question of God right now? What is it? Study up and step out in faith towards God. And that's why it's great to have a church and and a great staff and people who are good at understanding the Bible. You can come and ask questions and we want to join in the dialogue with you. It's not that you need to just, okay, I'm ready to make a decision, then I talk to the pastor. No, include all the way along and talk to godly people all the way along and the teachers all the way along so that you can learn. I I was a mess as a kid. Uh, uh, struggled with uh, uh, growing up, uh, struggled with weight because <laughs> I love food so much, uh, but, but, but struggled with uh, inner struggles. I, I felt worthless. Uh, grew up in a, in a difficult home with a dad who's an alcoholic, and, and I was a mess. And, uh, but I began to learn about God, mostly from the example of a friend who was living out his faith. And I saw Jesus alive in him, and then I went to church and learned about Jesus and and I, I stepped into a, a relationship with, with, with a very little of what I know, knew about Jesus. And it made all the difference in the world. But I was able to dialogue and talk to Jeff. And, and there's this guy on, on our youth staff named Stanwood. We called him Woody. And, and he, uh, he, he discipled me, took me along the process so I could grow in my knowledge. Know Jesus and step towards him. Let's chat it's a process of faith and, and it helps to talk it out. So, so ask those questions. You've got my email address. You can email me or, or any one of our staff or go to a life group and ask one of those leaders, any one of our leaders or elders. Faith takes knowledge, so gain some. Here's another aspect of faith. Faith in Jesus 
realizes persistence. In verse 22, this woman came to Jesus, crying out, hounding them, the actual scripture says, so much so that the, in verse 23, the disciples were begging Jesus to send her away. Now, that, that, the, the actual Greek word in there doesn't mean send her away. It means more literally, literally set her free. In other words, the disciples were saying, Jesus, why don't you just do what you always do and heal her? Set her free from her affliction, from her burden, Provide that generous healing of God we've seen you do. And when Jesus did not answer, she kept asking. She persisted. She even debated with Jesus in verse 27. She was determined. She was tenacious. She was persistent. For faith realizes and understands that it takes persistence. Faith has a a stick-to-itness, a commitment to keep knowing, to keep growing, and to keep showing our trust, our allegiance, and our hope in Jesus. The problem is it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to give up and to have little faith. Three instances in Matthew where Jesus tells the disciples, oh, you of little faith. You can write these down or get the notes and and, and look at the stories around this, but you'll see this. In Matthew 8, verse 26, a storm hits. They're all in the boat. Jesus is asleep. He's exhausted. He's asleep. The storm comes up. They don't realize that the God of the universe is sitting in their boat. Even if they go down, he's going to do something amazing. (laughs) But they get all freaked out and they wake up Jesus. Jesus, wake up. We're dying here. You know, these are burly fishermen on a boat. They've been in the sea before. You think, what's going on with these guys? But they're freaking out. Jesus gets up, calms the storm, and looks at them and says, oh, you of little faith. Matthew 14, verse 20. Something amazing happens. Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, call me out. He jumps out of the boat and he starts walking on water and he's having a great time out there. All of a sudden he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks at the storm around him. He freaks out. He starts to drown. Jesus picks him up and says, oh, you of little faith. Matthew 17, verse 20, disciples can't deal with this difficult issue because Jesus said they had little faith. But then he says something very interesting in Matthew 17, verse 20. He says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, and that mustard seed, that's a, that's a mustard seed from the uh, Israel area is about the size of the uh, tip of, the, uh, of your pencil. It's a, it's a small grain of sand type of seed. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, go into the sea and it would move. You could move mountains. Because you see, little faith is quickly abandoned faith. It says uh, when the issue comes, oh, God can't handle that. This, the cancer's too big. This job situation, financial, is too big. This issue that I'm dealing with at work, it's too huge. It caves, it gives up, it gives in, it won't commit. And that's where it is so easy to be. Yet great faith, mega faith, actually when Jesus says, tells a woman, great is your faith, that word is megos, which means mega, it's mega faith. <clears throat> mega faith is commitment to persistence. To persist even when we can't see what's going on. Remember, faith is a conviction for things not seen. When we can't see the end, it's that persistence that I'm going to have faith. Like when we get that very difficult news about our health and the C word is brought up, cancer. That's got to be one of the most horrific things to hear when the doctor calls you up or says, come in. 
We need to talk about something. You're already sweating and your palms are sweaty and your doctor says, I'm sorry to inform you that you have cancer. Some of you already know this, but uh, um, uh, that horrific news came to Dot Slagle. Dot and Clayton Slagle, uh, one of our fantastic members of our church, and Clayton's one of our pastors here. He is the senior pastor because he is the oldest pastor on staff. And, and uh, he, he, they, both of them have been up here talking about their 60-plus years of marriage. And, and uh, Dot was not feeling well. She went and had a lump biopsy, and they found out that she has lymphoma. And the news was devastating, and it's difficult but I saw something amazing as I went over to them and just went into their study. And here was Dot sending emails to people, letting them know. And, and I saw an incredible, mega great faith in her. She looked at me and said, Mike, I know this is hard. And I, and I, don't, I don't want this at all. But I know that God's going to walk us through this. That God's going to be there for us. I just kind of, kind of stood there stunned. Here's a person who should be, you know, crying her eyes out, uh, uh, feeling like, oh my gosh, my life's going to end sooner than I thought it was and, and all the things that she's going to miss and, 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 and it's the struggles that she could have and why me, why this, why that? She could be crying. Instead, she goes, you know what? God's going to handle this. He's going to walk with me through this and sure, I know it's going to be tough and do I want this? No. Do I, am I praying that God would heal me miraculously? Yes. But it was the faith journey of Dot and Clayton Slagle and their persistence in faith that allows them to do this. And now, I mean, this is just, <laughs> it just blows me away. They're saying, Mike, we have a now, we, we, we thought of a new ministry. I mean, they're starting to think of ministering to other people and they just found out. Who does that? Someone with mega faith. Someone who has persisted throughout their lifetime continually giving it to God and persisting when they could not see the outcome. And Dot does not see the outcome. She hasn't even been to the oncologist yet. Choose a lifetime of persisting faith. I want to have that faith. I want to have the faith of my sister Dot. Here's another aspect of faith. Faith in Jesus receives testing. For when we choose to, to know and persist in life following Jesus and, and having faith in Jesus, there will be times of testing. Not just the tough circumstances uh, around us or living in a difficult world, but Jesus will allow and put us into occasions that will stretch our faith. Just like a trainer puts you through strenuous exercise to get you healthier, to work whatever you want to work as you're trying to better yourself physically. And at the first read of the story, it sounds like Jesus is being harsh and even hurtful. I mean, go back to verse 23 of our text. But Jesus, he did not answer a word. And the disciples came to him, begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and saying, Lord, help me. Why does he not treat her with compassion 
like he has so many other times, like the, the woman who touched him as they were in the crowded uh, gathering and a woman who was unclean herself reached out and touched him. And instead of being mad at her because she was unclean and touching him or, or, or pulling him back or whatever, he, he, he whipped around and with compassion healed her. Or the adulterous woman uh, in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, who, who's caught in the very act, ripped out of the bed, thrown before Jesus, and he had every right to condemn her, looks at her with compassion and says, go and sin no more. And yet here it sounds like this is not fair. This is so harsh. Dr. Weber, in his commentary on Matthew, explains it this way. Jesus had come to bring believers of all nations into one kingdom and one church. But he had to come first to keep his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Jews. If you want a reference for that, look up Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, Weber goes on to explain that in this new covenant, this new contract, there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. Both have equal rights to a relationship with God and the blessings that belong in him. Gentiles, as, as Romans 11 says, are gra- all of us are grafted in giving us a picture that there is a priority of the Jews. But we are still part of the family. You see, even though you're born second, third, or fourth, you're still family. (laughs) You're part of the family. Someone had to be first. And true to his promise, Jesus came to the Jews, but they rejected him. And so here he is in deep in Gentile territory, and yet this woman comes and kneels before Jesus. And and we we know the story. She knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, and he answered to, it's not right to take the children's bed and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So, So what's going on here? Yes, the Jews had a derogatory name for Gentiles. They called them dogs. But they were meaning the, the, the dogs of that day that were more like coyotes we have now, that they're kind of wild and, and, and unkempt and, and full of disease, and they, they, they steal food and, and small children, and they, they uh, ravage the garbage dumps, and they're in, uh, unclean and fearful. People are fearful of them. But Jesus actually, when he says, is not right to take the children's bed and throw it to the dogs. That word dogs that Jesus says is not that same word. It's a different word. It's a word that means household pet. He purposely does not use the derogatory term. So why does Jesus do this? Go through this back and forth with this woman. It's apparent Jesus is testing her faith. Not so he can see if this faith is real. I mean, it's Jesus. He knows everything. But so her faith is put to an exercise to strengthen it. Remember or, or write down James chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Consider it pure joy, brother, when you counter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. See, our faith is stretched, so it produces endurance. We are put into tough circumstances and put under stress where we have to stretch a bit to believe, to work it out. See, if we just simply get handed everything all of our life, what ha- let me ask you this. What happens if you're a parent and you continually hand your kids everything, even before they ask for it? What does that child look like? 
They're spoiled brat. <laughs> they feel entitled. They feel like, well, I should just get this job because I'm me. Sounds like a generation right now. <laughs> Yet God wants to exercise our faith. Remember, faith is the assurance of things not seen. So we will experience times when we don't see the outcome and we're stretched. So God will stretch our faith like a good coach stretches his star player. So welcome these times and receive these times of testing. Three ways to help when our faith is tested. And actually, I saw three of these things in Dot and Clayton as they're walking through this. It comes out in our text here too. First is worship. Acknowledge Jesus as sovereign. Acknowledge his sovereignty. In verse 25, she kneels before him as an act of humility and worship. Uh, uh, Psalm 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverance. That's where the the, the famous hymn, A mighty fortress is our God. Uh, That that came from that that, that psalm, Psalm 18. And and it's a, a wonderful thing to, but when we go through trials, we need to worship God, turn to him, and remember how awesome and incredible and amazing and huge he is. Next reason Mull over in your mind the truths of God. In verse 27, she talked over her thoughts with Jesus. Well, even the, even the, the dogs get the crumbs. And he reasoned, she reasoned with him. We need to reason as well with the truth of God. I love Psalm 1. It says, on his law, we, med- he, we meditate day and night and we'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of living water. We're to, to meditate and to, to mull over and even a little bit of arguing with, well, God, you said this and you said this and I don't understand this. And take time to reason with God. Get some help if you need to from some others. And in all things, pray. Talk to Jesus. Verse 25, she came to Jesus. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, pray and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. It will be there. At this, Jesus reveals her great faith. I I love verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, mega is your faith. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. Tests of our faith will come. We're to, to grow in them and to get strong in our faith and trust more with what we don't see. That's how Dot and Clayton can make it through this. They have spent a lifetime of testing and growing from it, not giving up, trusting in God because even when they don't see the outcome, the question is, will you? Let's look at the last aspect of faith and you'll need to write this on the back of your outline. Faith in Jesus reflects generosity. Look at the generous way Jesus helps other people. Turn to verse 29. We'll finish up with this. Jesus went from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee and went up on a mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing them with him the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put him at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking and the cripple healthy and the lame walking and the blind seeing, all signs of Jesus being Messiah. It had been prophesied that Messiah would give sight to the blind and help the lame. And they glorified the God of Israel. Were they deserving of any of this healing? Absolutely not. 
None of us are. We are not entitled to anything, nor have we earned it. And just because you pray doesn't mean that it will be answered the way you want it to. But because Jesus is generous, he healed in this instance. And we should be like him. We should be generous. Verse 31, they glorified the Lord of Israel. They expressed the generosity of God. How uh, amazing is that? And how do we do that? Yes, praise and express how amazing God is with, with, with speaking of Him and, and praying praises of Him and singing praises of Him, but also in our actions. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In other words, as you live your life, let it reveal, let it reflect God's amazingness in your character, in the things that you do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 goes a step further and says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Choose to let our actions reflect generous Jesus, generous in care, generous in time, generous with resources, generous with kindness, generous with love. Let's, let's show off the best of Jesus. Let's be generous like him and reflect his generosity. It's a choice. The question is, will you? For faith in Jesus reflects generosity. I love Psalm 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And boy, is he. More than just a party in your mouth that goes all the way down. He he is a a taste that brings a huge smile to your face and and a, a, a bouquet of aromas that just send pleasant thoughts into your mind. A banquet of blessings. And an amazing life awaits as we express faith in Jesus. How does faith take... Now faith takes something of us. Faith in Jesus requires knowledge. Faith in Jesus realizes persistence. Faith in Jesus receives testing. And faith in Jesus reflects generosity. The question is, will you? Will you, like this woman, express faith in Jesus? And will it be said of you? Mega is your faith. For when we have that mega faith, we enjoy the generosity of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the, just the great reality of how generous and amazing and wonderful you are. <laughs> Lord, I, I'm constantly blown away at uh, the more I learn of you, and how amazing you are, meeting us at our point of need, and, and, and even being that amazing coach that stretches our faith. And, and Lord, I know in this room, there are people just like Dot and Clayton who receive some difficult news and their faith is being stretched. And, it's, and as you say in, in Hebrews, all discipline is not pleasurable at the moment, but it yields peaceful fruits of righteousness as we seek you. So God, I'm praying that we would trust in you. We'd have that mega faith in you the assurance of things hoped for and not in a conviction of things not seen. Help us in that, we pray. Help us have that mega faith as we go about our day and our week and our month and our year and our life. We pray this in your son's name.